know this world is oh so full of trouble Everybody's got their hang-ups Nothing ever goes away We want it to receive We won't let those troubles stop us Everything's gonna work out fine Just as long as we need each other Till the end of time Sharing all our dreams For I know everything will work out fine Confrontation, demonstration, covering every situation, clear from A to Z. I can't stop the aggravations of the people from all nations, but I know the combination that should always be. It's you and me. For I know everything will work out fine. Just as long as I'm yours and you are mine. Hello and welcome to Pop Culture Yearbook. This is our second episode of 2013, but our first one with uh, real content. This is our movie episode where we each picked a movie to discuss. I'm Brad. I'm Pete. And Pete, I think uh, we heard some interesting music on the way into this one, and I think you want to talk about that. Why don't you start there? Yeah, so fans of the show uh, may have have recognized that the music that you just heard is a little bit different than what, than what we usually start the show with. The music that you heard was actually music from my dad. Uh, he actually was a, uh, uh, a, a lead guitar, lead vocals for a local band, actually several bands in the southern and southwest Minnesota area um, back in the 1970s. So that he actually wrote and recorded two songs. So those two songs we're using in, as the intro and the outro. The reason that we're doing that this month is because this is the this month actually marks on April 23rd the one year anniversary of of his passing. So uh, kind of wanted to dedicate this one to him a little bit because we're going to be talking about a movie that sort of ties into my relationship with him and and we'll get into that a little bit but um um actually I just kind of I'll just kind of jump right into it so um much of the relationship that I had with my dad was kind of centered around baseball we were big twins fans and um we would go out in the backyard almost every single night during, during the summers and just play catch, even all the way through my high school and college years, we would just kind of grab the glove and, and, and throw it around back there. The glove that he had, it was the only glove that he ever owned in his entire life. And it was, uh, it, it was from the 1950s. I'm not exactly sure what year, but I'm guessing when he was maybe 13 or 14 years old in that, in that age. So it was probably from 1953 or so. And it was a Carl Ferrillo glove. And uh, it was because it was so old, the webbing was uh, basically down to nothing, but he could still, he could still play with it. And um, it was amazing. And it, um, I used it a lot too, just for, for practice. And it kind of helped me, helped me out a little bit. Um, but, uh, but it's the only glove that he ever really used. 
And Carl Ferrillo was a player for the Los Angeles Dodgers and was a teammate of Jackie Robinson. And um, uh, my dad was a huge Dodgers fan before the Twins came. The Twins became a, a, a team in 1961. So that was not until my dad was an adult at age 21. But uh, so his entire childhood, he was a big Brooklyn Dodgers fan. His all-time favorite player was Jackie Robinson. And I even had a comic book that uh, that was his, but I kind of inherited it. Um, it was a comic book all about Jackie Robinson and, our, and Branch Rickey <clears throat> and kind of their relationship and um, all, all of that kind of stuff. And it was uh, it was actually really good. I just remember reading it over and over and over again. So when the movie 42 came out, it really made me think about that and my relationship with him and um, kind of how that intertwined. And uh, so I think I think 42 is a pretty much perfectly done movie, extremely well done. And as, as I think about watching that movie and think about who my dad was, I really do think that Jackie Robinson being so important to him influenced actually some of the political views that he has or that he that he did have and eventually passed down to me. So I think it uh, it, it influenced me in that way. So that was why when we, we decided to start talking about 2013, I wanted to talk about the movie 42. So um, I just say that uh, like I can I don't know that I I'm sure I've seen that glove, obviously, but I can still like picture your dad playing catch or playing softball. And I and I can actually like feel like I can picture that glove. Something about it stood out even back then. Yeah. A ratty glove that he would use, which just looked perfect for a Merv glove. It just seemed. To <laughs> um, well, I. So I think that's just really cool that it had such a significance to it and everything. Yeah. Yep. And I still got it in the garage. Um, um, but uh, one, I'm glad you brought that up because one memory, because you played um, and a lot of our friends and, and even he played on, on a church league softball team that we had pretty much through our high school years. And he was on that team. And I remember one game when I was playing second base, he was playing, we had four outfielders. So he was playing, uh, right center so pretty much right behind me and there was a fly ball hit that looked like it was it was going to hit the gap and um, I saw my dad he was like 55 years old at the time and I saw him racing after it and I didn't know if he was going to make it or not or even if I was going to have to from second base try to run all the way back out there or, or not or what was going to happen but he reached up he got to the ball lunged up with that old glove that had no webbing and uh, made a perfect snow cone catch, which I, which I didn't even think would be physically possible with a softball, which of course is bigger than a baseball. And with that glove, it was just uh, one of the most amazing catches I had ever seen. It would make Byron Buxton proud to make that, to make that running catch with that glove. So uh, just, uh, and, and we even talked about that moment with, um, you know, in, in um, the last few months when, when my dad was going downhill, it was clear that he didn't have much time with. We had a lot of good, uh, good conversations about old memories and everything. And that one, uh, that catch uh, came up in that conversation. And so he remembered that too? He did remember it. Well, I started to bring it up. Uh, and I said, I, I, I remember a, a church lead softball game. And he goes, I know where this is going. <laughs> and, and so he, rem he, knew, he knew right away. So absolutely he, he remembers that one like it was yesterday and oh by the way when he played you know he didn't most of us would wear shorts or sweatpants or baseball pants or whatever he would just wear his old work jeans and like 
like work shoes, not even like tennis shoes or anything like that for playing. So he's in, he's in all that when, uh, when he makes that catch. So makes that catch all them. Exactly. (laughs) Makes that catch all the much more, um, just a ridiculous catch. Um, but, uh, going into the movie. Um, so yeah, I wanted to say that I I think it's such a perfect choice because of everything you've said and the timing and, when we, when we first were talking about this year it was actually a few months ago and Chadwick Boseman had just died. And so there's so many reasons it was a great choice, but it was even better. I loved it because I never saw this movie and I don't know why, because I love baseball and I love sports mm-hmm. and I, I love Jackie Robinson and I love stories like that. And so until you chose it, I had never seen it. So this was my first viewing. And so I appreciated the opportunity to watch it because I might've never yeah. seen it otherwise. So, yeah. So what'd you think of the movie itself? Oh, what did I think? Sure, uh, you go first. Okay. I, I've talked long enough. Well, I did enjoy it. Um, at the very beginning of it, I was just a little bit like leery because I felt like some of the scenes were not like over the top dramatic, but just kind of like, you know, setting that tone where I thought, is this going to be kind of like a, a TV movie almost? And, and they were so short and quick. It was like just a skit after a skit. Like mm-hmm. they showed him uh, Branch Rickey with his plan. And then, and then they signed Jackie Robinson. And then he has a baby. And then he's in the minors. And it's just like mm-hmm. all this stuff happened. And it just happened like just really quickly. It was all setting up the back. Right. The back but, and, then I, and it finally said, but I mean, who cares? Because there's a lot to get through. And they got through right. it. And then, and it wasn't like I didn't like it. It was just what I noticed. But then after that, I... I thought the rest of the movie was, was excellent. Um, and I, and I loved the way they told it. And I thought it was told at a very good pace after that. And it was all um, really well done. So I was happy to watch it. And actually, I think I knew Harrison Ford was in it, but I think I forgot that too. So to see, you know, a recognizable big star like that, that I wasn't even really thinking was going to be in it. It just, I don't know. It just kind of hit me as man, I should have seen this before. Cause why wouldn't I? Yeah. Yeah. I remember, um, the, uh, well, a couple of things about that that first scene with Branch Rickey, who was Harrison Ford's character. Um, that scene was actually, I, it, it meant a lot to me because it it was actually depicted in that comic book that I was referring to. Right. Uh, it was pretty much that same that same conversation and like how he, you know, kind of arrived at that decision. And also the other thing about it was if you didn't know it was Harrison Ford, it takes you a second or two to recognize him as Harrison Ford. Yeah, he's definitely a, like gets right into the role and it's not, you know, he's older, of course, but yeah, not quite what you picture or think of when you think of Harrison Ford. Right. Right. And so I thought I thought that was um, that was pretty well done. The other thing that you do kind of learn in that scene is that it's not just it's not just Branch Rickey being a good guy and kind of going against the grain. It's, it's Branch Rickey also making a business decision and he's deliberately uh, bringing attention to his team and, uh, and sees that there's, there's dollar value attached to it. Right. And I liked how they didn't like cover that up or anything. And maybe they didn't go into all the details as great as, you know, as much as they could have, but I mean, you definitely get the sense that, while he is doing something good, it's not like he's a savior and, you know, he, he understands the business side of it. Um, and so I like that they portrayed it in a way that was hopefully at least somewhat realistic. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, 
I, there, there's part of it too. And he was and, very like open with Jackie Robinson right at the beginning, right? Too. I can't remember everything, but I mean, didn't he basically tell him all these things too? And like, yeah, he basically said that um, you are going to basically put up with a lot of a lot of shit, right? Um, and and he had to be able to stand his ground, or you know, to stand down and not want to fight back and um i have heard about the about this whole story is that uh, many teams were considering doing this back at that time but of course no team had ever actually um, pulled the trigger and and there were some there were some players that that many believed were actually better than jackie robinson that could have more easily actually made it to made it to the majors which is yeah. well, kind of hard course, to believe because there were lots of people out there i'm sure but the, but but a never part of it, the opportunities so right right and a part of it was that they had to bring up a guy that had the right personality that w- was going to deal with it well and and i don't even know how you could deal with it you know that kind of abuse that he took later on in the movie uh most notably the guy uh for the phillies that phillies manager yeah. Um, it was just absolutely, uh, and, and I know that he wasn't in real life. I'm sure he wasn't the only example, obviously. Uh, but it was the one that was really depicted, but I, I would not have handled it as well as Jackie Robinson did at all. <laughs> yeah. And you had brought that up but, before too, that you didn't know if he was a real guy or if it was kind of like a conglomeration, but like the whole scene where he takes the picture with that manager during his like apology, um, you can look that up on Google and you can find that picture. Like it's a, it exists. That was a real thing. Um, this is the one that um, yeah. um, for the audience that may not have seen it, it's a picture of them in the picture. They're holding a bat together. Um, and, and I think oh, yeah, part right. of the reason that they're holding the bat together is that they don't want to be shaking hands because uh, they, you know, the other guy, the Phillies manager, I forget. I, did, did you write his name down? I did not write his name down, um, but uh, um, but uh, they he he didn't want to shake his hand or anything like that. So, but he but he was willing to do a bat and made mainly it was like a publicity stunt. I think um, I, I, I would was, have never taken that picture. He was really uh, really bad um, over and over and over to him, and I don't remember why they got him to apologize or not, but he did have to eventually. I think it was because um, show some sort of. Um, remorse or remorse it's yeah. not even pretend like you're showing remorse i i'm betting that he didn't actually have any remorse in real life but he realized that his career could be in jeopardy as a result of it or something his name like was william chapman william chapman. chapman yeah what an asshole i just looked it up and found the picture right here i liked okay. um so I, I love the, the show scrubs and um john c mcginley who's like the yes old, the older surgeon and he's in this movie and he plays the old time announcer and he talks in the old timey way and i just he did a great job <laughs> so i, I love that part <laughs> he just really fit the the role and what you think of with those old time announcers perfectly yeah yeah the other i thought about, i thought oh go ahead no you go no i was just thinking i thought um it really depicted when he's in spring training and in the minors and everything how like even as he's doing great things on the field and everything, the uh, the manager is like, well, there's still an N word out there, um, and, and you know they're gonna they they had to worry about throwing at his head, and he was just like, well, what are you gonna do if they throw at your head? And he just said, I'll duck. <laughs> okay, well, 
it, it was kind of a funny line, but it was a good line. But, um, but uh, just a really sad state of affairs, obviously. Speaking of the manager, the other thing about the movie that I noticed that I thought was a little bit weird was, so they had to switch managers early on in that season. And I mean, they made a huge deal out of it, like, because it was, you know, you had to get the right guy who was going to come in and like, and, and be able to pull this team together and make it, make it all work. And they brought in this weird, this old guy and, and it was this big thing. And then all of a sudden, and then like after the, after he started being the manager, I felt like we never saw him again. It like, yeah, it like yeah. they set up this whole thing and then it just disappeared and it, it never they, became a thing after. And I just, I just, the way I watched it, the way I noticed it was, I just thought that was weird that um, it seemed it was, like there should have been some follow up, like how he helped or handled the team or things that he had to deal with, um, you know, being, being the new manager coming into the. It, they, they had to work him is as if they had to work him into the story because it's what happened in real life uh the original manager i think got suspended because he was like having an affair or something like that which was yeah that's right frowned, it was frowned upon back then i mean nowadays it's always frowned upon of course but it's not something that you would get suspended for today as a manager but um but that was that was the way it was then but uh, they had to work him into into the script but uh, but you're right. It was because by the time that he came in, um, you know, they were so deep into the other story that they, you know, I, I don't know if they could have worked him in any differently. But um, but yeah, it was like the, his the first time he walks in, he doesn't know what's going on at all. He's he doesn't know what team they're playing that night. Um, that was that was one of the things they incorporated. I'm not so sure you, if that was real based on that. You'd think there's going to be some problems or something, and then it all yeah, just yeah. disappears. And or they or they would like this guy is just going to get run over, you know. Well, or it would build up like he becomes like a great manager. Something big happens at the end. True. He's able to make you know they could have because he starts out like a bumbling guy that has no clue, and then. And then they, they would have had to build it up rather quickly, though, because as we said, um, he was brought in very late in the, in the movie itself, in the season, in the movie. So, um, but anyway, yeah, that was that was a really good point. Um, it was it was just eye opening. And, you know, it's, it's what we all know. But but when they showed the things like uh, the parent influencing the children. When, when the child is sitting there watching the game, it's like a 10 year old or 12 year old kid. And then the parent is yelling out N word and all of that kind of stuff, how it's, how he's influenced by what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, very, very powerful. I thought it was a really powerful movie all around. My favorite, well, speaking of that, my favorite scene in the whole movie is when um, Pee Wee Reese, who is second baseman, is that what he was? he brings in uh, like a piece of hate mail that he got and complaining about it. And you know how he's getting this because he's playing with Jackie Robinson. And then was it to branch Ricky? I think. And he pointed and said, yes, that's all Jackie's hate Ricky. mail, which is just this mountain of letters. Yes. And then Pee Wee Reese like gets it and like, like backs off actually reacted the right way. And then they had the moment where during that next game, he walked over and put his arm around him on the field and like made a very mm -hmm. grand gesture to show that he stands with him and that he's not going to let people, you know, 
bully him or, or worse. And I just thought that was really cool. And it was really well done because it's the kind of scene that could come off as really cheesy, you know? Um, yeah. But I was totally sucked in. Like I, it, it got me, it got me in the right way. Yeah. I, I also, and that's kind of what I like too. I mean, it's a, like you said, it's a story that we, of course, and most people know at least pretty well. And I think maybe that's why I never watched it because I was kind of like, well, what, what do I not, what am I going to learn here? It's just going to be, you know, right. tell him, you know, but the movie did definitely entertain me and teach me a few new things that maybe I hadn't seen. And so that's what I liked about it. It, it wasn't just like run of the mill, everything I already knew it was, it was done in a good way. So. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit different than, I mean, because it's based on a true story. I mean, it didn't build its way up to a big climax like the natural, you know, you compare it to the natural a little bit. And that had obviously the most famous, one of the most famous baseball movie scenes ever. But, you know, they did have, what was it? The guy hit a home run, he had a home run at the end or whatever, but it was like uh, not as, you know, climactic as some of the other movies. But again, it's because it's based on a true story. The other, the other thing that stood out to me was the scene where, Jackie Robinson goes into the uh, into the tunnel with his bat and he just kind of loses it. Um, but he know, he he controls his emotion enough to, uh, you know, take it to where nobody can see him and all of that kind of stuff. And he just mm -hmm. sort of pounds his bat on the wall over and over and again. And he just has this big tantrum when that branch Ricky comes and kind of talks him down. And so I, whether or not that really happened in real life, I'm not sure, but, um, but that was a pretty powerful scene. As but well. yeah. And it showed how he, you know, he's not going to keep it together perfectly all the time. And right. It's just it's right. not possible. So <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, uh, I was, ever... I enjoyed watching it. I'm glad you picked it. It was uh, it was a great film. I thought. Uh, Did you have anything more? to add to the movie? I don't have anything more to add to 42. Okay. Do you want to uh, talk about, so obviously Chadwick Boseman's the main star. Yes. But because his career was not as long as we would have wanted and he didn't have as many movies that we probably know. I mean, obviously we both, I think, love Black Panther and, you know, mm -hmm. other movies that he did, but Harrison Ford has had a career that has spanned decades. And so, um, I asked you if you wanted to make a top five Harrison Ford movies. And yes. the reason why is because I, I love Harrison Ford, but when I looked, it would be hard for me to make a list actually. And I'll explain that in a minute, but I think you'll do a much better job. I think you're a much more uh, knowledgeable of the <laughs> Big Harrison movies. Ford guy. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. I love Harrison Ford and, and everything, but you're right. When I looked at the list of movies, I thought there was going to be like, you know, 25 movies to pick from. There's a lot of good movies there, but like the ones that stand out for being the top five, um, you know, there wasn't as many as I probably thought there would. Well, I think would it's be, but the part of it's because so many of his movies are part of these franchises. Right. And, which, and I grouped them together in my top five. Oh, you did. Okay. Because I was wondering, because you like, so for me growing up, I, for whatever reason, I, I never got into the Star Wars movies. Like I never even saw them until I was an adult. Right. So I couldn't like, I, I couldn't pick a Star Wars movie and say, I love Harrison Ford in this movie. And I also barely saw the Indiana Jones movies too. The first one I ever saw was the third one, The Last Crusade. Yeah. And I never really saw the two before that until I was much, much older. So while a lot of people probably loved Harrison Ford from those things specifically, 
Like I, mm-hmm. for me, the fugitive, that's my Harrison Ford movie. That's it. Like, right. I, that's right. one of my all time favorite movies. Like it's a top like five type of movie of all. And so beyond that though, it's just, there's a whole bunch of movies I like and I love him as an actor. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't really know where I'd go after that as far as like what I like next. So. Yeah. So I'll just jump into my top five. I did have my number one was star Wars um, because, you know, it's a great franchise, you know, the older or the, um, the original three were fantastic. And I thought he really made those movies. Uh, but keep in mind, he wasn't the central figure in those no. movies like he was in many of the other ones. But, but, still. but, but he was obviously a major character and that's where everybody really got to know him. He was in a few things before that, but um, that's where, that's where nationally known. I thought since you know those movies better than me that you might have a specific one that you really liked but you lumped them well, together anyway. of, of the uh, yeah of the three I think Empire Strikes Back is the one that stands out as being the best in my opinion of of the three um, if I were going to rank within the within those original three I would say Empire Back Empire Strikes Back A New Hope and then Return of the Jedi as far as quality of the movies mm-hmm. um and then I did have Indiana Jones, which, uh, and I'm excluding the fourth one, which I thought was God awful. Uh, the one that just came out a, a few years ago, but, uh, I never um, saw that one either. Yeah. You don't need to, it's, it's terrible. And they're, they're working on a new one too. Yeah. I where, thought so. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully they do a better job on that, but, um, um, of the Indiana Jones movies, you had, uh, you had even mentioned, I think the last crusade was the best one of the three. Yeah, I really enjoyed it when I first saw it. It I, is I a great that. movie. Yeah. It was really um, fun. Uh, I, ranking the Indiana Jones movies, I would pick that one first. And then the first one, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then Temple of Doom in that order. Um, 42, which we've already discussed. And then I had Fugitive. And then it's another franchise, the Jack Ryan franchise. Um, oh, yeah. Like Clear and Present Danger? Yeah, Clear and Present Danger. How many of those I, was he in? Was Three he, or four, um, maybe. I, uh, is there a submarine one too? Yeah, that you're thinking of Hunt for Red October, but he wasn't in that one. No, Alec Baldwin. Oh, oh, right, that's the same book series. It's Jack Ryan. It's the same that's character, right. but yeah, he's right, not right. played by. Yeah, I knew then, that, uh, but I was thinking there was a Harrison Ford one though too. Yeah, no, um, and then they've they've got newer Jack Ryan. And by the way, the Jack Ryan series that was on Amazon Prime with John Krasinski as Jack Ryan is really good too if you haven't seen that i would recommend yeah it. i haven't seen it but i have heard about that that it might be pretty good yeah it's fantastic of the jack ryan movies um i had patriot games as being the best one oh um, yeah that's one i've seen yeah that's a good one so right. that rounds out my top harrison ford movies very nice so like i said i, I just love the fugitive that's what color was ice? <laughs> <laughs> He's so great in that movie. All right, shall we move on then? I think we can. All right, so I picked The Way, Way Back. And like I said in our preview, if you haven't seen this movie, stop this podcast, go watch it, and then come back. And then tell us what you thought, because it's that good. <laughs> so this movie came out in 2013, and um, I... You know, so Steve Carell is kind of like the star, although it's a it's a ensemble cast. But it is, this is yeah, you know, there's not the office not one was, that stands out. This is right towards the end of the office. I mean, he's huge. He's been in some other really big movies, but so I mean he's like kind of the draw. 
And so when I saw the previews, you're like, oh yeah, it's Steve Carell. I love him. I'll go watch that. Um, and I didn't know a lot about the movie, but we went, me and my wife went to see it. I remember going to a matinee one afternoon. Like we just were looking for something to do and we we're going to go to a movie. And I don't think we'd like, we're going to be like, we have to go see this movie, but we, I'd heard of it and I'm like, we should go see it. It looks good. So my expectations weren't like sky high, like they are for some movies, mm-hmm. but, and maybe that's part of it. But when we sat down and watched that movie, I mean, when we got out of it, like I could have sat and watched it again right away. It immediately yeah. jumped into one of my all time favorite movies list, like the fugitive. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it was like that, like I just loved it. And so uh, I got a lot of reasons why, um, but so this movie, if, if you have not seen it, is about, it's more about a kid, um, a kid and his family. Steve Carell is like his wife's boyfriend. They're not married, right? So he's not a stepdad. Right, right. But you know, he's been kind of living with them. You can tell he's been around for a while. And they, the Steve Carell takes that family to his like lake house for like a month in the summer, which is like, I, I did have the question, like, what do these adults do that they can just leave for all that time? Because then there's other people living there too that are, none of them work. They're all just hanging out. It's like, it's like they're in Denmark and they get a whole month off and this is what they do. Where do you summer? Um, <laughs> it's sort of like Dirty Dancing in that regard. It's, it's almost like what they do in Dirty Dancing, but oh yeah, I digress. But so, I mean, it's like a fish out of water. This kid, he's a total just like, um, not a loser, but just he's very shy and he's very much to himself. And he doesn't, he doesn't, it's a hard, he's very awkward. <laughs> And so he goes to this place and, you know, he doesn't know anybody there and it's all about him trying to fit in. And then there's all these adults too. And it, it's about how they are interacting and there's just all these different family dynamics going on. And I'm, it's just, I, I, it's hard to even explain what else it's about besides it's just so great. And so it was written by uh, Nat Faxon and Jim Rash. And those are two guys that I know from other things that, didn't know they were writers at the time. So Nat Faxon, he's a really funny guy. He's probably a guy that if you don't know the name, you'd probably recognize him. Um, he was on a show called Married that my wife and I watched that was hilarious. Judy Greer was on it. They were a couple. And Jim Rash was on uh, Community. He was the, um, the dean on Community. Mm-hmm. And that's where I knew him from first. But they're also writers. And they wrote the movie Descendants, which speaking of our preview episode was set in Hawaii. It was with George Clooney. Um, and so they kind of hit it big as writers with that movie. And then this was like their follow-up. And according to uh, my friend, Dave, who knows all this stuff, he, this, the re- because The Descendants was so big, that is why they were able to get this movie written and put out there. Cause you know, it's not like, this isn't like a star movie and this isn't not like a blockbuster, a, a blockbuster right? It's, right. It's, it's a story and it's dialogue and it's, you know, much more low key. So. Back to the cast. So Steve Carell would be like the guy that stands out, but this is an ensemble cast with great uh, actors in it. So um, Nat Faxon and Jim Rash are both in it as well. They work at the water park where a lot of the movie is set. Um, Maya Rudolph. Water Whiz Water Park to be exact. Water Whiz. Maya Rudolph is in it and she works there. Uh, Tony Collette is the, the mom of this boy. Um, Anna Sophia Robb, who is a, a younger actress at the time, but she is the, um, like the, the daughter of one of the families that lives there. And then Allison Janney is in it and she is just perfect in her role. She's like that 
kind of drunk next door neighbor who just wants to have a good time all the time, kind of inappropriate, <laughs> but she's nice and she loves you and she's great. And she pulls that off great. So there's all these great actors. However, this is where I really got introduced to Sam Rockwell, who is yes. incredible. I knew him I'm, and I knew him. I had seen a couple movies with him at, at this time. So I knew that he was a good actor, but I mean, blown away. I, I, it just was amazing to watch him in this movie. It's, it's a comedy role, but it's also, you know, he's emotional. He's like a grown up kid. He's like a kid mm-hmm. that never grew up and he works in this water park and he, he just wants to have fun and screw around all the time. But there's a depth in him that you, you see as the movie goes on. And yep. he's just amazing. And um, if you hadn't seen this, I mean, Jojo Rabbit came out and he's, he's been up for several, well, at least one Oscar, I guess. I don't remember how many now, but um, he's just an incredible actor and everything he's ever done is just, is just spot on. And just for a quick digression about awards, I firmly believe that he should have been up for Best Supporting Actor for the Oscars for this movie. But right. comedians like never get up for that kind of thing. But that's how good he was. I'm not just saying it because I liked him. He was that good that this is a role that should have been award nominated. And the movie, by the way, itself should have been up for at least a Golden Globe where they have comedy category. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't believe that it wasn't up for some awards. It just it blows my mind. And it, it's ridiculous. <laughs> right. So that's a little. Well, well I mean, your your point about the character, uh, how it has some depth, and go ahead. And, the, I got more to say, but you go ahead and cut in here, please. Because sorry, All right. that was too much. But the, but he, uh, uh, the the kid, his relationship with Steve Carell obviously is very salty. That's what uh, that's how the movie begins, and and you can tell right away it's just icy cold. He doesn't care for him at all. Um, oh, yeah. Well, oh, sorry. So speaking Carell. of Steve Carell, you think of him as a funny guy and everybody loves him. This is a totally different role. The thing that stands out in this movie that if you didn't know going in, he's an asshole. He plays yeah. and he and he's a great kid and he's done it other times. So you might know by now, but he plays a great asshole like he's a jerk. <laughs> and so it's not the kind of role that you would expect from him. And right. So it gives him a new like light, too, that was kind of new at the time. Yeah, absolutely. And so the kid, as I just said, he's got a salty relationship with him and he kind of needs a father figure, but he just cannot connect uh, to the Steve Carell character. And, I, and we never we never really get introduced to his real dad um, or, or what happened. Did they say what actually happened? No, there? I don't. I or, mean, or maybe it, he died. Wasn't I don't remember it ever coming up. If it did, I've completely missed it every time. So, okay. Um, but, uh, but anyway, no, 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 no. Cause towards the end of the movie, he wants to go live with him. Oh, maybe remember. And he claims that he's, that his dad wants him to come live with him. And then, and Steve Carell says, your dad doesn't want you. And, and which is the truth, but like he says it in such a just mean way. And it really kind of crushes the kid. So he is alive, but he's like completely out of the picture and he's not a good guy either. And that's what the Sam Rockwell character basically plays this father figure that this kid never really had. And, right. and that's why. And, and I think. But he's a friend, too. He is a friend. And I think it also it's mutually beneficial because I think that uh, the Sam Rockwell guy, he um, he also never really had children. And so he kind of fulfills that void in in his life as well. So it's sort of 
goes both ways and it, it's very deep in that regard it's a great so, relationship it really what it is it's kind of like a, a relationship movie between them as friends yes. and like father son type relationship that's really what the movie is is about right if you absolutely. were going to narrow it nail it down to one thing yes other reasons i love this movie uh there's movies that just set a mood and they just you, it's hard to describe what it is about it, but they just hit a mood perfectly. And this mm-hmm. movie does that. This movie is set in the present day, but it has this nostalgic feeling and it feels like you go back 20 years. It feels like it's set in the 80s. Like it looks like it's set in the 80s, but it's not. And it's just like, it's stuck in time. They go to this little lake you know, town and there's this water park and it's the type of water park you picture from a long time ago. And um, they drive, Steve Carell, maybe it's put in on purpose, but he drives an old like LTD car. Um, uh, the kid, I can't remember his, what is his name? Um, Pop and Lock. What is his name? I, in the I movie? can't remember what his real name was in the movie. But he finds his old this bike. It's like an old Schwinn bike. And he drives yeah. that around the town. They play Candyland. And it just, everything in it creates <laughs> this just, sweet mood of of like being stuck in time and it just fits perfectly and it but it is set in the present and you see all the characters and all the all the issues that we have in the present day are all there it's like they go to this place to escape their real lives because it's set in a different time but you can't escape it even when you're there you still have those problems and they come out in different ways yeah yeah and a lot of those uh like those lake communities are are actually kind of like that uh, at least in minnesota if you go like to the north shore or the the town that it actually the place that it actually reminded me of is if you've ever been to okaboji iowa well um, i have not but i can i've seen pictures and heard people that go there and i know what you're talking about yeah it's it's a it's a fun little getaway weekend and um like if you were to go the amusement park there it's almost like it reminds me of an amusement park that you would see on scooby-doo it's like got the old fun house and it's got the like the the old wooden roller coaster and everything is pretty much like you said the way it was and and, um you know it's it's a step back in time almost and that's that's kind of what has that same feel as this movie so Mm -hmm. that's what that's what i thought of and then um kind of fits with the mood as well but another thing i love about this movie is the music so i mean i love music i'm like kind of the music guy of this podcast but the soundtrack is just perfect there are so many moments where the song is just integral to the story and just fits perfectly so there's a scene there's a song called come and see by a band called young galaxy and i had heard it before and i knew of the song i actually had it like downloaded on my itunes but then it was in this movie and and it's just, it's so good. And it's the type of song that you hear in a movie and then you want to go add and you, you're mm-hmm. going to listen to it. Um, yeah. Speaking of the 80s, New Sensation by NXS is in this movie and they play it at like the perfect time and it fits right in with the water park. And I love NXS. Um, and then the big one though is at the end of the movie, kind of a Minnesota connection, they play the song Alone by Trampled by Turtles, a Minnesota band. Hmm. Um, and uh, I mean... I, I, there's hardly a song and a moment in a movie that like are intertwined more perfectly than that. And again, I can't explain it unless you watch it, but it just fits perfectly. And it just gives you all the feels and it makes the hair on my arm stand up. And I, it's just, it's perfect. And that song 
is great and it fits that moment. And so they nail the mood, they nail the setting, they nail the music, the cast is perfect. And then, I mean, and the story is great on top of it all, but everything about this movie just works. Let me ask you this, see if you can figure this out. I, I, I know that on the surface, the, the, the title of the movie is way, way back. It's in reference to in the station wagon. All right, it's not an LTD, way, way it's an old station wagon. It's an old station wagon, right. which I remember, yeah. And he sits um, in the back of it. But uh, what kind of, does that have like a deeper meaning to it? Like what, what does that mean, do you think? I've, I've actually thought of that before and I don't think I've ever come up with any answer. It's a really good question. There's got to be more to it than just that. Right, right. Because Maybe it's, uh, it's because the movie feels like it's back in time a little bit, but I don't know if that's... It's sort of in know. the car where he goes for refuge. And, and the very last shot in the movie is basically the mom um, kind of oh, yeah. does want to connect with him. And she goes into the way, way back and I wrote of, the, this down. of the station wagon. And, so, and then that's where it's kind of a happy scene and whatnot. So yeah, um, at the but, end of the movie, the scene where he, so they're going to leave and, and Steve Carell basically tears him out of there because he's mad and the kid doesn't get to say goodbye to his new friend who's like his new like father figure and he busts out of the car and I don't give the whole thing away because, but even if I do, you, it's not going to matter. Um, he busts out of the car and he goes to say goodbye and Steve Carell follows him and, and the scene where Sam Rockwell's character gets in his face and like tells him to back off it's just again emotionally perfect and then they get back in the car and like you said the mom like it's based it's symbolic basically that she's done with with steve carell she you know he's he's blown it she leaves the front seat she crawls to the back seat she sits next to her son and they just sit there and kind of cry and smile and it you know it's not a happy happy ending it's not like everything's perfect but it's the happy uh, the happy ending would have been if she got together with Sam Rockwell and then that would yeah, have been. Or, yeah, or like if they had stayed there for. even longer and. Yeah, yeah. But it didn't, And he'll it, probably it, go back, you're sure, someday. And, they're, you know, they're not going to be done, but, he, they, you know, it's real. They can't just stay there forever and they, he can't just. But he's there. kind of in a, in a relationship with the Maya Rudolph character. Well, um, yeah, that's who he wants to be and with. So and that's it what seems like by the end, he's in sh- the problem is he's such a child that she keeps waiting for him to grow up and she can't handle it. But right, right. You get the sense at the end that he's finally understood who he is and he's going to turn to her and, and he's going to be an adult and everything's going to work out for them, hopefully, too. But well, it easily could not. Well, it's sort of, Brad, I heard, heard, I've heard you describe this as a coming-of-age movie where the boy finds out kind of who he is and he matures. And I think the same thing happens with, the, exactly. with Sam Rockwell. So sort it's, of a transformation uh, well, into like you a, said, next, a next step of maturity. for They for help the each other. It's yeah. not just him being a father. Like, the kid is a father to Sam Rockwell, too, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, in the movie he ends up working at this water park for Sam Rockwell. And the coming of age part is the kid who has no confidence. He's just completely awkward and shy. All of a sudden becomes like, just, he gets his confidence from Sam Rockwell basically creates him. He gets his confidence from him and he's a whole new kid by that time, by the end of the movie. And so you can see how he's grown and how he's going to be able to take that back with him to wherever they live Mm -hmm. when they get there. It even comes, there's a, there's a girlfriend character that he has too. 
Right. Um, the not exactly a girlfriend. Really but, yeah, yeah. But the way that their relationship grows is huge. And it's exactly the way it would be for a 13 year old kid who is maturing. And then he, you can see kind of how he gets more and more confident around her as the, it starts out. He's totally, like you said, shy and awkward around her. But then he gets more and more confidence as the movie goes on. But in every character, even the minor ones have that, like Maya Rudolph, you get to learn who she is, the mom, Alice and Janney's character, and that girl, uh, her, it's Anna Sophia Robb is the name of the actress. I can't think of her name in the movie either. Right. Um, but she grows in the movie. Like she, she's friends with all these popular girls and they all just want to screw around all the time. And you can tell right at the beginning of the movie, she's, she's growing apart from them. And that kind of draws her to this boy and they just become friends. And, and so you get to see her grow too. Like every character has this depth and it's just, I just, I cannot say enough about this movie. And I hope that two people go watch it after listening to this that never saw it before. That's, that's all. If you are inspired by our podcast, <laughs> if you're inspired by our podcast to see this movie, please put it, please comment on Facebook or, or Twitter that you did that. Brad will, it'll make Brad's yeah. day. Or if you have seen it and just agree with me, go ahead yeah. and tell me because I know you're out there. Like I said, there's people well, like you, for example, you had never seen this movie. I'd until, never seen, I'd never heard of it. I don't think. Never heard of it until I picked it and you love it, right? Yeah. You were not disappointed. So, and I, and you're not the only person that I know that's had that reaction. So. All right. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. So like I said, this kind of was the movie that really hit me off with Sam Rockwell. So I made a list. You did Harrison Ford. I made a list of Sam Rockwell movies that I love as well. And some of these are just, they're way up there. So my number one is this movie because for me, it was like the first one. Mm -hmm. And I just think it just encapsulates him as an actor so perfectly. But my number two could easily be number one. So last year, Jojo Rabbit came out. Have you seen that? No, I have not. Oh, good Lord. You got to watch that. That's an, I mean, do you know what it's about? No, I do not. <laughs> oh my God. So it's about this kid in Nazi Germany who's part of like the Hitler youth and he wants to be a Nazi. And he, oh, yes. He keeps I, I, seeing I, Hitler like as his imaginary friend. Yeah, yeah. And the, the imaginary friend Hitler is like this bumbling idiot. And you'd think... <laughs> You'd think it sounds offensive and like it could never work. It works perfectly. And <laughs> Sam Rockwell again is a Nazi, but he's like a Nazi with a heart, and he and he. It's just and Scarlett Johansson's in it. It's it's amazing. It was up for Best yeah. Picture. I would have picked it as the winner. It's it's amazing. I, I do remember it now that you explained it. I do remember seeing that one at the Oscars last year. Put it on your list and watch it. All right. Uh, the th number three is Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, which is the one where he did win he an Oscar for. Did win an Oscar for that one, yeah. And he was amazing in that one. And he plays this racist, just idiot. But, um, you know, he, again, he just, he can pull off these roles and mm -hmm. and it's, it's a good movie. Um, Number four also came out last year. I really enjoyed Richard Jewell. He plays um, kind of this lawyer, but he, you know, he's not like a big in your face. He's kind of just this minor, but he's trying to help him. And so he's not playing Richard Jewell, but he's the guy helping him. And, and I, I was kind of fascinated by that story back in the day. And I, when the movie came out, I was wanted to see it right away, knowing that Sam Rockwell was in it. And I thought it was a really good movie. 
it got some mm-hmm. criticism, but I, I disagree with a lot of it. And he's great, of course. And then number five, um, this wasn't like one of his bigger roles, but I did like the movie Vice, um, where he plays George Bush. The movie. Oh, really? So he plays George Bush W. Um, <laughs> okay. So he's he's not in it a ton, but he play he plays a great. And then, so those are the five I know pretty well. There's a movie called Moon that I watched once, but it was way, way back before I really knew who he was. And I, I don't know, I, I just didn't get into it. I don't think I was paying attention like I should be. I need to rewatch it because I know people love that movie and I need to watch it. And there's a few others that he's been in that I either have seen or haven't seen, but need to see again. And they might jump um, onto that list as well because there's nothing that he does that's not well done. So, mm-hmm. so that's my that's list. Fantastic. You know, um, uh, I, I went back and I kind of read a couple of, of facts about Sam Rockwell. And I also watched, there's a really good interview, if you haven't seen it, it's with Larry King um, no. and Sam Rockwell. It's, it's uh, pretty fascinating if you watch. It's about 20 minutes long, the video that I found. And so he kind of talks about uh, Sam Rockwell wants no part of having children. And I don't even know if he ever wants to get married. He's been in a, hmm. he's in a relationship, um, but they don't really know anything about him like that. Yeah, no. Uh, he just, he, he was just like, you know what? I just don't want anything to do with it. I've, I'm happy being an uncle, but, um, but that's basically it. It may come from the fact that his parents were divorced when he was really young. Um, his parents were both actors and they kind of got, that's how they got him into it. Um, one thing, uh, a quote that he had that I thought was pretty good. And I know that you, you've said similar things as this. He says, I really believe that people like Bill Murray or John Belushi are just as great and just as valid as Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think you can say one, th- one Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is a better movie than National Lampoon's Animal House. They're different genres. I think they're both examples of great craftsmanship, which is why, why do we not have Oscars for these comedy movies that do what they're supposed to do and they make you laugh? Well, I think they entertain you, even if we did, because they do have the Golden Globe. Yeah. Most but, of the time, those aren't even like what you really think of as comedy movies. They're not. Right. Right. They're, they're still serious. They're just. Yeah. You know, it's. And so like a true comedic performance never gets recognized. It's so rare. The one that I remember, and I don't know how he won, but he was totally deserving. But Kevin Klein won an Oscar for A Fish Called Wanda as best supporting mm-hmm. actor way back in like 1988. That's a, we should do that and, in a future episode. And Kevin Klein is a fantastic <laughs> actor. Yes. He totally deserved it for that role. But like, how often does that happen? It's crazy. I mean, Eddie Murphy's, there's movies that he's done that he probably could be nominated for. And yeah, he doesn't get that kind of credit. And I would even say, I mean, maybe this is stretching it a little further, but like Eddie Murphy doing Donkey in Shrek just oh yeah the, the voice he just it's perfect and yeah. i don't think it's that easy to just do that i mean the credit for that kind of performance should be there and this is something that actually we'll talk about when we talk about uh the lonely island uh in two weeks okay album. all right um so 2013 the, the thing, oh, well no no just one more point um that that i read about that you kind of alluded to this as well Sam Rockwell is really good and pretty much known for playing characters that are simple, that come from simple backgrounds 
uh, and kind of making them into powerful characters, which is pretty much what he did in uh, in way way back, as well as some of those other movies that you've talked about. You never mentioned that he was in the Green Mile. Oh yeah, um, we'll see. That's one. That... I haven't seen it for so long, but we have it on our DVR. On our, we're gonna watch it with with our son, and we haven't gotten to it yet. But I do yeah. remember. So when I see that, because doesn't he play like a crazy? Yeah, like a, he's a... really good, right? Yeah, I think he is. So I'm looking forward to watching it, not just because I like the movie and Tom Hanks and everything, but him too. Because back then I wouldn't have known who he was at all. Right, right. Um, okay, I'm, I'm done with him now. If you want to go on <laughs> to you, I'm done with him. Well, I like the uh, the work you did. So 2013 was actually a great year for movies. Um, so the, again, the fact that this is my like top movie, I think shows you how much I love it because... I've got a whole list here of like, these are all movies that came out that I really liked that year. So The Great Gatsby, I, I thought it was a great version. Again, it got mixed reviews, but I thought it was pretty pretty, pretty much on point for the book, the way I read it. Uh, the movie Her with Joaquin Phoenix was really good. Mm-hmm. American Hustle oh, yeah. was a good movie nominated for awards. We're the Millers is a comedy that I enjoyed. Don John was a good one that I thought was funny. This is the End is a good comedy. I didn't see The Purge until years later. My son's into horror movies, but I don't like horror movies, but that's one I actually like. I like the story. I like the the idea of that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Fruitvale Station was a good movie. The Spectacular Now um, was a great movie, like a teenage movie, but more serious. Saving Mr. Banks came out that year with Tom Hanks. And I also really liked The Secret Life of Walter Mitty with um, Kristen Wiig and uh, I got Ben Stiller. Um, oh yeah, I, those are all movies that I really, really liked, and none of them are my top five. All right, what what were your top five? All right, so my top five, I did have one thing. My number five, I made a, I lumped together animated movies because this is the year Frozen came out, which I mean yeah. everybody loved, but it's also the year Despicable Me Two came out, and I was a huge fan of both of those first two movies, and Monsters U came out that year, so. Frozen maybe would be my favorite, I think, but all three of those are good. So I lumped them as animated movies, number five. Number four, I had Nebraska with uh, Will Forte. Mm -hmm. I love that movie. So Alexander Payne, great writer of movies. Uh, Number three, I had The Wolf of Wall Street, which um, I don't know. I mean, it's just there's so much going on in that movie. I liked it a lot. There might have been things I didn't like. It's really long, but, but overall it was really entertaining uh number two this is another one of these small movies and if i hadn't picked the way way back this could have been my choice so there's a movie called about time it's directed by richard curtis who made um love actually and it's got rachel mcadams in it and it's got um some other people you might know but like domnall gleason's in it and he's been in lots of movies you'd recognize him now he's like the main character Mm -hmm. it it look it's it's about time travel and it looks like it's a, um, a romantic comedy. And there is some, I mean, that's part of it. But really, when you watch it, you realize this is actually like a father-son movie. And it's beyond just the romance between uh, the guy and uh, the Rachel McAdams character, because that's the main uh, couple. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. I love that movie. My wife loves that movie. That's another one where it's not, it wasn't that big. Not everybody knows it. But if they've seen it, I think they love it. Mm-hmm. So I would throw out a big plug for about time. And then number one was The Way Way Back. 
So, all right, you go. Um, the, the one movie that really stood out for me is a movie called All is Lost with Robert Redford. I did uh, see that did, too, yes. Did, that's a movie that I took, a, I took an intro to film class in college, which was, you know, you think it's, it's kind of a slough class, which it was. However, I thought it was a really interesting class because it teaches you all about like cinematography and like what the different symbolism within the photography and all that kind of stuff means and, and whatever. This seems like it would be a... Uh, a really good movie for that class we did watch movies in that class like north by northwest and citizen kane and some of those kinds of movies this one kind of falls into that into that group where uh, it's it's almost no lines in the movie because he's the only character and he's lost at sea mm -hmm. and um it's the way that it was done i just remember it being I, I haven't seen it in a really long time but i remember it being a really really well done movie and it would it had me to the edge of my seat the whole time and um you know i compare that i, I like those kinds of movies so much better than like the avengers movies where it's like all about special effects and action mm -hmm. and everything like that when they can when they can use the cinematography and and whatever to get you engaged you know, I, I love when they do that. You know, I don't hate the Avengers movies, but just as an example. Right. They're different. I, but right. Exactly. I like exactly. It and I'm a huge fan of Castaway. I love I love that movie, which yeah, you know, similar feel at times, at least. Same kind of thing. Um, I also had Frozen and uh, you did say Nebraska. That's another one that I just love that movie. It's I could go back and watch that one again over and over again. Um other i also had her and i do like really well-made documentaries i had blackfish as my last one it, it was oh, disturbing missed, to that watch that came out that year huh i missed That's that what i had written down unless i missed something incorrectly but uh, but uh but it was really well done but it's very disturbing and you never want to go to sea world again after seeing that no. which is too bad because i love sea world i've <laughs> i've been to i've been to both of them or actually there's three i've been to uh not the what where are they san antonio is the third one well san diego san, well, san, diego. san antonio yeah. yeah so i think there's i've been to san diego three. and orlando i've been to those ones and they're really fun but before i've seen that movie but uh, <laughs> um so that that rounds out my top five actually that's fun because i mentioned in our preview that i went to san diego that year for the first time and one of the things that we had talked about is like the co-workers like what can we do while we're there <laughs> And the big controversy was, should we go to SeaWorld or not? And most of us were like, no way are we going there. <laughs> right. So, right. We didn't really have time anyway, but um, it, we definitely discussed it. So it makes sense that that movie came out that year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything more to add? No, I just, uh, I love that movie. I want to say it again. Yes. Very, very well done. Uh, but unless you have anything more, I think that will wrap up our show for this time. Um, thank you very much for listening. Stay tuned. And uh, what are we talking about in the next episode? We're doing our music episode music. next. So yes, the albums. Music and it's going to be discuss. spectacular. All right. Um, all right. Well, we'll wrap it up. And uh, again, the music that you're about to hear is from my dad, Merv Peterson. And uh, so I hope you enjoy the music. Bye. Bye. I haven't got the pain 
Why you don't love me anymore? 